Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Oh, come on. This is the 1030 service. Let's try a little bit harder than that. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Yeah. Hey, you know what? I think this upcoming year could possibly be the best year you have ever had. Who would like that to be the, the truth? Yeah? Okay. So, so humor me. Close your eyes for a second. Let's envision this. Let's envision your best year that you've ever had. Close your eyes. No peeking. If I see you peeking, I'm going to come around and uh, poke you in the eye. Uh, and no snoring. If you fall asleep, I'll smack you upside the head. Don't snore and don't fall asleep either. If you're still walking in, don't close your eyes because I don't want that lawsuit and that liability. But get a seat. If you're watching the live stream right now, uh, just stop whatever you're doing and close your eyes and join us as well. Now, here's what I want you to think about and envision. Envision for a second with every eye closed. You're not looking around. Nobody's peeking. Envision that it is one year from now. We are in January 2021 right now, and you're looking back at the year that we just came through of 2020, and you're thinking to yourself, that was the best year I have ever experienced in my life. Are you, are you tracking with me? Nod your head up and down. Don't open your eyes. Nod your head if you're tracking with me. Okay, God sees you too. I see you. <laughs> so here's my question. If you're thinking that 2020 was your best year that you've ever had, here's the question I want you to think about. What made that happen? What led to 2020 being the best year you have ever experienced? Eyes still closed. Perhaps for you it's love. Or maybe it's marriage. Or maybe it's a baby in the baby carriage. <laughs> maybe for you it's a job. Maybe it's a career shift. Maybe it's a new house. Maybe it's a, a, a new car. Maybe it's completing that project you've been working on forever. That book. You, you finally finished whatever it was. What led to 2020 being your best year ever? Okay, now open your eyes. I think it's possible. It's not just an exaggeration. It's not just hyperbole. I believe that this upcoming year could potentially be the best year you have ever had. If you're ready, if you want that, if you desire that, I want to see your hands up in the air. If that's what you want, good, then high five somebody next to you and say, here's to the best year ever, baby. Don't forget the baby part. You got to, got to include the baby. <laughs> Don't throw out the baby. <laughs> About a year ago, my wife goes to the, the DMV. She has to get a new driver's license, right? So she goes to the DMV. She gets a number and she shows up prepared, but she she gets the number and she's like, okay, 492. Okay, eventually I'll get called. So after, I don't know, four to six hours or so of waiting, she finally gets called, now serving 492 at window number five. So she goes over to window number five, right? And she's got all of her, her stuff, all of her documentation. She's getting a new driver's license. So the, the teller says, I need your old driver's license. So she gives the old driver's license. She gives her birth certificate. She gives her marriage license because in the state of New Mexico, you have to turn over your marriage license now. That's whatever. So she, she gives her social security card. I think she handed over all, all of her credit cards cards too, just to make sure. And she's like, here's my library card, just in case you need that. My eighth grade report card, here's everything that I've got. You, you got it all now. So she gave all this documentation over to this teller, and the teller, she's checking everything off. Okay, got this, got this, got this. And then the teller says six words that my wife was hoping that she wouldn't say. She said, it's time now for your eye exam. My wife's like, no, I don't want the eye exam. Please don't make me look in that machine. Yeah, they got the little machine right there on the little desk, right? And so she said, just look in the little machine, and, and, and I want you to read the column on the right. So my wife looks in the little machine, and she looks up. She's like, there is no column on the right. So the teller says, yes, there is. Just, just look closely. There's a column on the right. There's one on the left, one on the right. So she looks in. She's like, there's no column on the right. Am I, am I doing this wrong? And so she's like, just look at the column on the right. Just read the column on the right. So my wife's like, there is no column on the right. So she starts hitting the machine. Is your machine working? Maybe is it not, not working correctly? Is it malfunctioning? So the teller's like, well, maybe let me reset it. So she pushes a couple buttons, resets the machine. She says, okay, now look into the machine. So my wife looks in there. She's like, there's still no column on the right. At which point my wife says, would it be helpful if I put on my glasses? <laughs> 
so the, the, the teller's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you wear glasses, that would be helpful for you to right now put on your glasses. So my wife digging through her purse. She's like, there is no column on the right. And she puts them on. She looks down. She's like, oh, <laughs> there's the column on the right. It was there the whole time. <laughs> oh, that being said, my wife now have a, has a driver's license. On the back of the license, it says, must wear glasses while driving because they put that extra stamp on there. Moral of the story, if you happen to see my wife driving around town without her driving glasses on, honk at her, roll your window down, and yell out the window, hey, read the column on the right. <laughs> and that'll be her reminder to, to wear her driving glasses. <laughs> well, today we start a brand new series, and it's called 2020, which is all about addressing this question over the next couple of, of weeks. We're going to ask, ask the question, how is your vision? How are you seeing? Are you seeing things clearly or, or not so clearly? Sometimes when people realize, like, like my wife did, that they're not seeing so clearly, they go to the eye doctor. They go to the optometrist. I, I was reading some stories recently about some people who went to the optometrist, and the optometrist asks them the reason, what brings you here today? One person, he indicated, he said, well, I'm an airline pilot, and I recently was taxiing my Boeing 747 jumbo jet down the runway when I realized I'm heading towards oncoming traffic. I went the wrong way on the runway because I thought the arrow said this way when it really said that way. That's scary. Next time you're getting on a plane, when you're boarding on a plane, go like, you know, knock on the cockpit or whatever and just do a brief test. Like, hey, how many fingers am I holding up, pilot? Make sure that they're seeing clearly. Another person, when the optometrist asked them, hey, why are you here? Why are you visiting the optometrist? He said, well, I, I went to a bar recently and I sat down and had a conversation with my girlfriend for several hours. And then I realized after several hours, it wasn't my girlfriend. It was a complete stranger. But that dude's got more problems than just his vision. Like if, if you can sit down and have a conversation with a woman who you think is your girlfriend and it takes you hours to figure it out, you need to go like maybe go on more dates or something. I don't really know. There's another guy, he said the reason he came to the optometrist is because he ate his hearing aids because he thought they looked like cashews. <laughs> How nasty is that? I mean, poor guy. Like he's already got hearing problems, he's got vision problems, and now he can hear himself getting fatter too. <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask this question regarding those people that I just talked about. Let me ask this question. Do you think that any of them intended to do what they did? Do you think that the pilot intended to taxi a, a 747 jumbo jet the wrong way on the runway? You think he meant to do that? Probably not. Do you think the guy that went to the bar was like, oh, you know what, I'm going to go and have a conversation with my girlfriend for four hours and then realize it's not my, well, maybe he didn't like his girlfriend. Maybe it wasn't intentional for him, but, but forget that one. What about the guy that ate his hearing aids? Do you think he intended? Do you know how expensive hearing aids are? They're like five grand an ear. That's like $10,000 in one bite. That's like some, some caviar hearing aids. <laughs> Do you think he intended that? No, of course not. Of course he's not going to intend to eat his hearing aids. No way. Here's what those people, in, in fact, in, including my wife, have in common. Sometimes people do something that's wrong when they're convinced that it's right just because they're not seeing well. Sometimes people do something that's wrong when they're convinced they're in the right because they have poor sight. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. A lack of clear vision may cause you to do things that are clearly, clearly wrong. A lack of clear vision may cause you to do things that are clearly wrong. You see, sometimes, friends, people don't want to do stupid things. They don't want to make bad decisions. They, they make a bad decision because they're not seeing clearly. They make a bad decision because they're, they're not seeing the vision well. They have bad vision. There's three types of people in this world. Maybe you can identify with one of these types of people. First type of person is somebody that has good vision and they know it. 
And if that's you, you're blessed to be in this category. If you can see clearly you have good vision, then good. Consider yourself blessed. There's another type of group of people. It's people who don't have good vision, but at least they know it. They know they can't see well. They're not seeing clearly, but they at least know it. So they're not making poor decisions based on their poor vision. But then there's a third bucket of people. And those are people who, who don't have good vision, but they don't know it. These are people who are not seeing clearly, but they're not aware that they're not seeing clearly. Now, my question to you is, which one of those types of people are you? Are you seeing things clearly? Do you have clear vision for what God has for you in, in this world, in this life? Are you seeing things clearly and you know what? Perhaps you don't have a good vision. You don't have a good sight as far as what, what God has in store for you, but at least you know it. Or are you in the third category where you're like, you know what? I don't know. Maybe I don't have good vision and I don't know it. And you might be thinking the question, well, how would I know if I don't know? Well, here's an indicator. If you're in this third bucket, think back to something you've done that you should never have done. A mistake, a failure, a sin. Think back to whatever it was, perhaps the most significant one you've ever, ever committed or, ever, or action you've ever committed. And think back to, to when you decided to do that, when you decided to take that action, do that thing, commit that sin, whatever it may be. At the time, if you could see clearly then what you now know, the guilt that resulted of that decision, the shame, the remorse, the regret, the fallout of relationships. If you could have seen back then what is reality now, would you have still done whatever it was? And if the answer to that question is no, no, if, if I could have seen clearly, then I never would have done what I did. Then perhaps you're in this third category of people that you don't have good vision, but you also don't know it because you're making poor decisions based on a poor vision for your life. I'm hoping that we can clarify our vision this morning as we, as we jump into this new series of 2020. Here's my challenge for you. If you want this upcoming year to be the best year you've ever experienced, the best year you've ever had as a human since you've been alive, here's my challenge. Again, you can write this down if you're taking notes. See your life as God sees your life. Choose to view your life like God views your life. Look at your life like God views and looks at your life. Now, here's what happens. If you look at your life like God does, a couple things might come into focus. You might look at things in a different way. Some things that perhaps were important to you are no longer important to you. When you're looking at your life like God looks at your life. Things that you invested money in are, are no longer worth investing money in. Things that are worth your time are no longer worth investing your time. Or perhaps you're supposed to spend time on things that you haven't been investing your time in. When you look back and you step back and you look at your life through the lens that God would look at your life, perhaps things come into a different type of focus. What if you could have God's vision for your life? Look at what Solomon says about vision. Proverbs 29 verse 18 in the King James Version. He says this. He says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish. The NLT, the New Living Translation says it this way. Where people, when people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. What causes people to run wild when they don't take God's advice? What causes people to come off the rails in their lives when, when people are not applying God's vision for their life, when they're not doing what God would have them do, when they make significant decisions that are, that are resulting in guilt and shame and regret? So friends, I'm going to challenge you this morning. If you want to have this upcoming year of 2020 be the best year you've ever experienced, I'm going to challenge you to look at your life like God does, to have God's vision for your life. So to do that, 
This morning, we're going to craft out a vision statement. Now, perhaps you've crafted one before, you've written one before, you've read one before. If not, if you've never been a part of an organization that has a vision statement, let's do one together. Here's the definition of a vision statement. I'll put it up on the screen. A vision statement is a declaration of an organization or an individual's objectives intended to guide its internal decision-making, a.k.a. a vision statement determines why you do what you do. And most organizations have a vision statement. But very few people have vision statements. My challenge to you is to adopt a vision statement this morning. I, wanted, I would like to craft one with you. So if you're taking notes, we're going to craft out the, the term vision. We're going to turn it into an acronym, V-I-S-I-O-N. We'll put it up on the screen, V-I-S-I-O-N. And before we jump into it, I would encourage you to be a note taker this morning. Pull out you know, a pen if you're not taking notes already in the program. I know we ran out of programs this morning. So uh, pull out something you can write notes on. Maybe it's your phone. If you don't have a phone on you, pull out a pen. You can write it on your hand. If you don't have a pen, you can pull out a knife and carve it in blood on your hand. Just kidding. Don't do that. <laughs> But I would encourage you to take notes. People who take notes take action. That's worth writing down. <laughs> People who take notes take action. So I want to be in, in, encouraging you to take notes this morning, and we're going to unpack this vision statement. We're going to make a vision out of V-I-S-I-O-N. The V in the vision stands for this, value. Stands for value. Now the question for you is, what do you value? What's important to you? Where are you investing your, your time and your talent and your treasures? What's important? What's valuable to you? About a year ago, we went through a series called Core, which is all about the seven core values here at Pinion Hills Community Church. Now, you may not remember what those values are, but it's important to come back to our values every so often. So this morning, I want to refresh our memory as far as why we exist as an organization. First core value as the, uh, that we have in this church is God. Now, the reason we have God as our, our number one core value is that we're legally obligated to because we're a church. Just kidding, that was a joke. <laughs> we don't value God because it's a legal obligation. It's not a legal obligation. We value God because God changes lives. God, God heals the blind. He heals the sick. God performs the impossible. God is in the business of taking dark situations and making them beautiful. That's why we honor God. We value God. God the scripture says God loved us first and therefore we love him back. He values us first and then we value, therefore we value him back as well. We've, we put him in the first spot. God is in that first spot of our core values. Now, maybe some churches don't have God as one of their values. That's something that's really important to us, is that God is one of our seven core values, not one of them, our first and foremost core values. Second, second core value that we have at this church is God's word. We value God's word. That's why any, anybody that's ever going to be up here on this stage is going to be preaching God's word. Why? Because God's word does not come back void. It's transformational. Lives have been changed because of God's word. It's living and breathing, and it's applicable to your, your life here in 2020, just like it was 2,000 years ago. God's word transforms lives. And so we value that. Number three for our church is all people. We value all people, red, yellow, black, and white. They are precious in his sight. Even people that might be different from you. We value Republicans. <laughs> we also value Democrats and independents and green parties. We value people who are gay. We value people who are maybe different than we might be. We value people who fire missiles at planes. We value people who fly planes into buildings. You see, we value all people. We may not value their, their ideals. We may not value what they do and their actions or their beliefs, but we value them as a person, as a human being. Why? Because all people are created in the image of God. And if God values them, then by golly, we're going to value them, even if they're different, even if they look different, talk different, do different things than we might do. We still value all people. That's number three on our list. Number four is the church, capital C, church. Not just this particular congregation. We value the kingdom of God. 
the bride of Christ. Jesus came to die for the church. It's obviously a big deal to him. It's a big deal to us. That's why we started this one church movement. We, we're inviting all these churches throughout North County. or throughout, uh, throughout uh, where are we? San, San Juan County. <laughs> we're not in San Diego. <laughs> We've invited all these churches to come and join together. And say, hey, you know what? We are better, better as one body and as one voice. We are better unified together. That's why it bugs me when, when pastors have beef with pastors and Christians are hating on other Christians. We value the church. Jesus died for his bride. Why can we not value one another? We value here at this church the kingdom of God. Number five is this, community. We value community. Now, the reason we value community is because that's our pocket of the world that we live in. It's where God's placed, you and I. We value our neighbors. We value our family. We value the people that are surrounding us. That's our community. And two weeks from now, we're starting our life groups where you can do life with other people. I would encourage you, if you're not already in a life group, get in a life group. Why? Because community bonds people together, brings people together. It helps make you more godly. We value community here at Pinion Hills Community Church. Number six is discipleship. Discipleship we value because it's part of the Great Commission. Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations. Not only do I want to have a role in in helping all nations become disciples, but I too need to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus myself. I value discipleship in my own life. And then number seven, the last core value that we have is service. We value serving other people. Jesus says, if you give a cup of cold water to somebody in my name, you've done it for me. He said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. I want to serve other people. I want to be like Jesus. I want to be a disciple of Jesus. I too want to serve other people. That's why on April 4th of 2020, we're having all those one churches band together and we're going to go serve our community in the name of Jesus Christ. And I'm hopeful that we're going to have over a thousand people who are wearing the same shirt at the same time outside the Civic Center and then break apart from there and go serve. Go serve San Juan County in the name of Jesus because that's what Jesus is all about is putting the needs of other people above his own. These are our core values as a church. Here's my question. What are yours? What core values do you have? Do you have any of these core values? Have you adopted any of these? Have you, have you taken these and made them your own? Perhaps you have core values that are not on this list because this is an organization. It's a church. Maybe what should be on your list is family. Or maybe your spouse or your kids. Quality time with your family, perhaps. What do you value? What's important to you? If you don't know what your values are, I would encourage you at some point today, Perhaps when you're watching the Chiefs lose. (laughs) Or perhaps when you're watching the Packers lose. (laughs) At some point today, I would encourage you, write, write down some of your values. What's most important to you? You want a gut check? Ask your spouse. Hey, what do you think is valuable to me? Ask your kids, ask your coworkers, ask your friends who know you the best. What do you think, based on my actions, what's most important to me? What's most important to my life? And just listen. Perhaps write down what they say. Because what if your spouse said, hey, you know what? I think you value football more than me. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> or, or what if, what if you hear, hey, I think you value video games more than you do your family. What if you hear, I think you value your social media account more than you do your, your kids. What if that's what you hear? Perhaps your values are are not in the right place. Maybe write down what you hear, but then also write down what you want, what you want your values to be. What should be most important, most valuable to you. James 1 says this, 
Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like somebody who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Obviously, it's not important. Verse 25, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in all they do. In other words, whatever you value is going to dictate what you do. What's most important to you will dictate what your actions are. The first step in crafting your vision statement. If you want this to be the best year you've ever had, you have to be honest about what are your values. What do you value? So in the acronym of vision, V-I-S-I-O-N, the V stands for value. The I, the first I, stands for individual. Individual. Now, we're all individuals here. You all already know that. But perhaps the, the reality is that we need to be reminded every so often. That you're different and unique because God wants you that way. Sometimes we want to emulate this person or we want what this person has. And God says, hey, I've crafted you. I've designed you. I've knit you together. You're exactly who I want you to be. So stop trying to be somebody else. This is kind of what Pastor Michael was talking about last week of comparison. Teddy Roosevelt said, comparison is the thief of joy. You have joy when you get to be the person God's created you to be. You are an individual and God knows it. He made you the way that you are on purpose. Romans 4, or 12, 4 through 5 says this, for just as we have many members in one body and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. What Paul is saying, he's saying, hey, we're a part of the same movement, the same group, the same ecclesia, the same church. We're a part of the same body of Christ, but you're an individual. You have a role. Stop trying to pretend that you're somebody else. You be you. You be the best you you could ever be. That's what God's created you to be. Value your individuality. And when you do that, it leads to the next step, the, the next letter, the value, individual. The S stands for strengths. Value your individual strengths. The truth is, we all have gifts. We all have talents. We all have strengths. I can't tell you how many young people have come to me through the course of my career and said, Matt, I, I don't have anything that I'm good at. I'm not good at anything. And I say to that, hogwash. Yes, you are. <laughs> You've got this gift, this, this talent, this ability. Perhaps you don't have the same strength as that person over there or that person over there, but you have your own unique individual strengths that God has entrusted to you. We need to stop comparing ourselves to other people, stop wishing we had the strengths of other people and be content and grateful and glad that God has hooked us up with the, the abilities and the, the gifts and the strengths that we have. First Peter 4.10 says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received. Notice it doesn't say, if you happen to have received a gift from God. It doesn't say that. It says, each of you should use whatever gift, implying that we all have gifts. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. We are called to use our gifts, our talents, our strengths for the purpose of bringing glory to God and serving other people. This is part of your vision statement. The V stands for value. The first I stands for individual. The S stands for strengths. And the next letter, the second I stands for interests. Our interests are things that we're passionate about. Things that perhaps wake you up in the middle of the night and you're like, I can't, I can't stop thinking about this. I'm fired up about this. I love this. This is something that God's put on my heart. Do you think whatever it is that you think about all the time is just by random chance? Or do you think perhaps God, your creator, your designer, the architect of your life, has perhaps placed on your heart, your mind, your soul, things that you're interested in? Now, if you're thinking of things that are not godly and not God-honoring, then God didn't put those on your mind and your heart. But if there's things that are honoring to God and bring glory to God, perhaps God implanted that on your heart and your mind. 
Philippians 4.8 says, Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Those are the things we need to focus on. What are your interests? Now, now let me stop here when, it talks, when I'm talking about the strengths and the interests. Let me put a graphic, of a, a graphic on the screen of an X. An X marks the spot. Imagine that one line on this X stands for your strengths. The other line stands for your interests. Your strengths and your interests. The secret to valuing your individual strengths and interests is to find out where that sweet spot is in the middle. Where the intersection is of your strengths and interests, that's what I refer to as your sweet spot. What is your sweet spot? Because the reality is that sometimes we have strengths that are not our interests. Sometimes we have interests that are not our strengths. I'll give you an example. One of my interests is music. Many of you know that I used to be a DJ. If you're visiting for the first time, I'm not a freak, I promise. <laughs> but I used to be a DJ and have an interest in music, but you're never going to see me up here leading worship. Why? Because it's not my strength. I'm not good at creating music. I can play other people's music, but I can't create my own music. I'm interested in music, but I, it's not my strength. On the flip side, one of my strengths that is not my interest is like administrative work. I'm a very detail-oriented people. Some people call me anal. I don't know why, but uh, <laughs> I'm a very detail-oriented person. And, and when I get focused on the details, I, I could spend hours on the details and calendaring and scheduling and spreadsheets and all that. Other, but I don't like it. It's not an interest. I'm good at it, but I don't like it. Sometimes our strengths are not our interests. Sometimes our interests are not our strengths. But sometimes, friends, sometimes they intersect. And that's where X marks the spot. That's your sweet spot where your strengths and your interests intersect. So value your individual strengths and interests. And that's what leads to the next letter of vision. The O stands for, for others. Value your individual strengths and interests for the sake of others. To serve others, to bless others, to make others' days better, to make this world a better place one person at a time. Jesus was asked the question, hey, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment of all the commandments? What's the, what's the most important one? He responds back in, in uh, where am I? Luke, Luke 10, 27. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. These are the two greatest commandments. It all boils down to love God and love others. Everything else in life is details. <laughs> love God and love others. How do you love God? You take your individual strengths and your interests. You value those things and bring glory to God by using those things in a way that's honoring to him. And part of the way you can honor him is by using your strengths and your interests to bless other people, to serve other people. This is what it's all about. Love God and love others. Everything else is just details. So if you use the vision for your life, value your individual strengths and interests for the sake of others. We should, we should do that. That's how we live out our vision. Now, it leads to the last letter of vision, which is N, stands for now. Don't put this off. We're at the start of a new year. This is a fresh start. This is a clean slate you have. You can wait for six months down the road. You can wait for 12 months down the road. Hey, you know what? I'm going to get my life in order. I'm going I'm to adopt this vision when I graduate. I'm going to adopt this when my kids move out of the house. I'm going to adopt this when, when I have more money. I'm going to adopt, adopt this when I, when I have uh, maybe the promotion. When I retire, then I'll do these things. Why? Why wait to do later what you could do right now, what you could do today? Look what Solomon says in Proverbs 3.28. He says, don't say to your neighbor, come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you then when you already have it with you right now. If you can serve somebody, bless somebody, help somebody, why put that off? You can wait till 2021, or 22, or 23, or 2030, or you can say, you know what, I want God to use my life right now. Right here, 
I've got a plan. I've got a blueprint. In fact, let's put it, the whole phrase up on the screen. Our vision statement, should you choose to adopt it for 2020, this could potentially result in you having the best year that you've ever had in the history of your life. If you value your individual strengths and interests, especially the sweet spot, value your individual strengths and interests for the sake of other people right now. Now notice this is one statement that we're applying to hundreds if not thousands of people. But what makes this blanket boilerplate statement unique is you. So even though this can be all of our vision statement, how you interpret it and what it means to you is, is different than what it means to me. Why? Because we're wired differently. God's created us differently. So we could all take the same vision statement for the upcoming year, say, I want to apply this to my life. And perhaps when we do that, all of a sudden we feel purpose. We feel like our life has value in this world, in this community. Where there is no vision, people perish. Why do they perish when there's no vision? Because they feel like, I have no purpose. What's my life for? I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. But if you live out God's desire for your life, you live out his vision, you start looking at your life how God looks at your life, and you say, I want God's vision for my life. I want to live that out. That, that's my statement. I'm going to live by that. I'm going to value my individual strengths and interests for the sake of other people right now. When you do that, consistently, day after day after day, there's a good chance, January 2021, you're going to, look, going to look back at the previous year and say, that was the best year I have ever had. Why? Because you're living the life God intended you to live. So the question I have for you goes all the way back to the first question I asked this morning. Friends, how's your vision? Are you seeing clearly what God has in store for you? Are you seeing clearly how you can make a contribution to this world? Are you seeing clearly what God wants you to do and what perhaps he doesn't want you to do? Are you seeing clearly where you should be investing your time and your talent and your resources? Value your individual strengths and interests for the sake of other people now. Are you willing to see more clearly with 2020 clarity in this new year? Perhaps it will lead to the best year you've ever had. Let's pray. God, I thank you for each person that's showed up today. Each person that's watching on the live stream right now, God, I thank you for the fact that they've carved out time and invested time to grow in their knowledge and understanding of you and your word. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word, the scripture, the Bible, gives us a blueprint for our lives. That we don't have to go through our lives blind. We don't have to go through our lives with poor vision. We can go to scripture and realize how you want us to view our lives. What to do, what not to do, where to go, where not to go. God, I thank you for the clarity that we have by going to your word. May we value you, but may we value your word. May we value a relationship with you. I pray for this upcoming year, for 2020, that we are intentional about seeing our lives the way that you do, Father. That we would view our lives, that we would look at our lives the way that you do, that we would adopt your vision for our lives. Where there is no vision, people perish. I don't want to be somebody that looks back at my previous year and thinks, wow, I did nothing with that. I feel like I'm, I'm not contributing anything feel like I have no purpose. God, give each one of us purpose the way that you have uniquely equipped us, designed us, crafted us, and give us the desire to use that to bless other people, to, to get to know you, to bring glory to you, and to serve other people, to love other people. May our lives make this world a better place. May we choose to trust in the goodness of your word. May we choose to apply your vision to our lives in 2020. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.